You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we're going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. This interview is a part of the How She Creates Good series. In these interviews, I get to shine a light on women who are using art and their creativity to empower others, advocate for social justice, and bring healing to our beautiful world. This series serves to educate, bring attention to amazing organizations, and inspire you to use your creativity for good. Welcome to How She Creates. Today, I am here with my friend Sammy Bennett of Rag Trade Clothing Co. I am really excited to talk to Sammy because we actually met because we were living in the same country but never actually met. We kept trying to make it and then Sammy fled the country and left me. Um, so the podcast is my excuse to get to hang out with her and show all of you guys her awesomeness because I love following her story and her work is really, really cool. And I'm going to let Sammy introduce yourself to everyone and tell them what you do. So nice to be talking to you. So I have a, it's a small sustainable business. I'm a dressmaker um and I design and make all of the pieces of all the collection um it's just me at the moment so yeah I'm kind of responsible for everything within whatever we do so that's the designing the making the packaging the posting that's all me um and I try to keep things as transparent and ethical and sustainable as I can. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, So that's part of why I wanted you kind of in this part of the season of the podcast is because I'm really interested in talking to artists and people who are doing good things in the world. And I think, you know, ethical fashion is a really big one right now because I think it's, it's a good you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it easy, but easy way for us to do good in the world. Um, Mm. And so I love that that, that's a big part of your story and a part of what you're doing. So I'm excited for you to share more about that with us. And did you say where you were based? Uh, I'm based in Brighton in England, but uh, Rag Trade was actually, like you said before, it was actually based in Dubai where we were living and I started it there. And then we've since moved to back to Brighton. So yeah, the UK. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and you, so you make clothing that is beautiful and we'll talk about it more later, but you ship to everywhere, correct? Yeah. Yeah. All over the world. Awesome. So yeah, so this is perfectly applicable to everyone listening. Um, and we're going to get into all that in a minute. Okay. So let's just get started with, tell us your creative story. How did you start sewing and creating and how did you kind of get into this process? So I, um, I actually feel a bit sort of uh, not awkward about kind of telling the story. But the truth is, I don't have any formal qualifications in dressmaking at all. And which I think is quite often the story of many uh, women who have gone into business in, in the creative, in, kind of in a creative industry. Um, and, um, 
sometimes that can make us feel a little bit like imposter syndrome (laughs) I'm sure you know like everybody feels it so um but I yeah so I don't have any formal qualifications I um I've always been creative and always loved kind of painting and yeah all that sort of uh artistic side of things um and I studied it at school art was my sort of uh in England you at the age of 16 you have to do formal exams called A levels so I chose art as as one of mine and uh, within that I actually specialized in well that's where I learned to sew my teacher was there was a new teacher that started and she was really into textiles and um, so I most of that I did sort of soft sculpture and um, a bit of dyeing and yeah kind of learning different technique um, and I actually made a um, a bodice, like a. <laughs> it sounds a bit weird for a sixty or seventeen or however old I was, but my the theme I chose to do was lust. Isn't that that's so weird? <laughs> <laughs> so weird. It probably made your parents so proud. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what my teachers were thinking. Like. <laughs> so weird anyway so I actually made like a basque is that what they're called like a corset thing oh so so weird um but within that I like dyed dyed the material um kind of made it all from scratch like pattern pattern cut stitched everything used the machine used like sewed it by hand um and I did a skirt as well and I absolutely loved it so um, I then went on to study psychology, which is was a kind of a weird choice, <laughs> but I, I really liked that as well. Um, but I carried on making clothes as like a passion thing, something that I love to do, um, kind of following other people's patterns and yeah, that kind of thing. So that's how it started out. And it just, yeah, it just kind of carried on. Yeah. So I would say you had some formal training, um, but yeah. Oh, that that is fantastic! That that is how your your passion started from lust. I know, I know, it's so weird. I'm I'm sure nowadays that would not like that would definitely be frowned upon. It probably was at the time, but oh yeah, <laughs> I know your teacher's probably like, I don't know where this is going, but we're gonna Let's follow go with it. it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I've I've been really big into this idea lately. And just kind of being like art is weird and art is just an avenue for us to like follow our weird interest. And you know what? At 16, if you're interested in lust and making corsets, like. I think everyone is at 16. Let's be honest. (laughs) Right. I know we all secretly wanted to. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think that's fantastic that you followed what you were interested in. Yeah. I don't really know what, what, what we, why we went with that. But um, I was, I'm glad now because it's opened opened it up to yeah a love that I'll probably always have for the rest of my life and I can use for good now exactly exactly and think about if they had told you no you couldn't do that and then you made something lame and then you were mad about it and then you never wanted to do it again I know I mean that would have been so sad I think to be honest whatever whatever I would have chosen to do I, I really think textiles would have come up because um there's just something about sort of, I don't know, working with colours and different uh, textures and fabrics. And I think really I've always been interested in that. It just took this teacher to 
to be like, well, why don't we have a go at this? And why don't we try a bit of that? And so that was good. Also, my mum is, um, she makes clothes as well, although she didn't when I was younger, um, but she does now. So um, I think maybe it was always in the background and I sort of, yeah, became interested subconsciously, maybe. I don't know. But see this is why I love hearing people's creative stories because you start to trace those little threads that you know in the end they do lead you somewhere but at the time they were just random happenings and just random things that were just you know daily in your life that you may not have noticed but looking Mm -hmm. back you see like all these little things led you here to this incredible career that you have now Mm. yeah I think you're right yeah interesting did you are you um are you into textiles as well um, I am into everything. That is my um, problem, but favorite thing. Um, so I do like to sew. I When I was about 16, I asked for a sewing machine for my birthday because I was very cool. And <laughs> I, I had a friend come over who also knew how to sew and she just kind of taught me how to use it, you know, like just push it back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I just like started eyeballing things and being like I could make curtains and then like I would look at curtains and be like huh this looks like how you do it um and then I had a friend who made purses like she had a business and she taught me her process um and so that kind of sparked it and I learned a little bit more like you know better technique there um and now I so like once a year, I sew like a baby quilt for a friend who's having a baby. Um, I I recently bought everything, and by recently I mean a year ago, bought everything to make this really beautiful skirt. But every time I've tried to make clothes, it's not gone well. So I'm like, mm. just like sitting on all of it, worried yeah. that I'm gonna do it wrong. Oh no, don't worry about it. Just do it. Have it. Do you ever make twirls? You know, like the mock up. Oh, no, that's also my problem is I refuse to do things like that because I'm, like, too impatient for it. But I know I need to. So, okay, so tell me what I need to do. Do I need to do a practice like that? Yeah, you should because then it might – because then you'll see it and it will go really well and you'll be like, okay, I've got – like, you feel confident to cut into the gorgeous fabric that you just bought and, and like, have a proper go. also means that you can alter it to – you know, if the pattern is not quite – perfect to to your body because patterns are always a bit you know standard then you can and then what you make will be like tailored to you which is ideal you should definitely have a go I think I bet you'd be really good and then (laughs) show every show us all what you make okay okay I will I feel like I've talked about this exact thing on the podcast before people are gonna be like you told us that a year ago (laughs) still not done it just go and do it I know. I actually pulled out the fabric yesterday and I was like, oh gosh, one day I'm going to do this. Okay. So back to you, your story. So tell us what your creative process is like. So you design your clothes, you choose these beautiful fabrics and then you, you make them. So can you walk us through that process? Yeah. So, um, okay. So when I've got an idea, I will, um, I'll just do a little sketch in my in my sketchbook of what I want it to look like um and I will probably sit on it for a few weeks (laughs) um while I kind of think about I'm quite indecisive you see so um I'll have an idea and I'll get it down on paper and then I just need some time to think about 
how I'm going to do it and actually if I want to do it um, or if there's something else I want to do more you know um, and then I'll actually think about pattern cutting so then I'll draw up the patterns um, I'm actually trying to think about what I do yeah like make pattern pieces from it um, uh, and then make a toile of course and then until the toile is perfect I won't even attempt to make it in the linen and um, I'll just keep altering it altering the pattern altering the toile altering the pattern altering the toile until it's kind of per perfect or as close to perfect as I want it to be um, and then I'll try it out in the linen and then often it will go wrong <laughs> so I have to redo it yeah that's it that's really the process to be honest I don't really have any specifics on yeah how I you know what I do I just kind of haphazardly have a go <laughs> I um I did do a course with the what's it the London School of Fashion so I learned how to pattern cut so I've kind of got a bit of a process with that yeah that's perfect so it sounds like you just kind of do a lot of playing and tweaking you know with an idea do you know, when I, I did that course, actually, with the London School of Fashion, the, the main thing that I walked away from that course was there's the basics, but there's no, like, 100% perfect way of pattern cutting. It is mostly just tweaking and kind of trying things out. There's no exact way of doing it. And I remember, because I'm, I'm a person that likes a process and likes things to be right, and I remember when I talked to my the lady who was running it, um, and I was like, but is there, so there's no kind of exact way of doing this or an exact measurement or exact like angle or whatever. And she was like, no, 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 you just, you know, just have a go and see if it's, you know, there's the basics, of course, but then the rest of it is just having a go. And I really, that's what I really love about dressmaking. Oh, see, yes, I love, I love, hate that so much because I don't <laughs> like following a pattern. I want to just like play with it and figure mm. it out. Um, but the like commitment to continually tweaking it until it's right, mm. that's, that's something I struggle with. And so yeah. I think that's really important for, you know, taking your craft to the next level of mm. being, you know, a, like a master dressmaker is you actually have a perfect, not, you know, perfect in, in essence, like a you know this is right and this is exactly what you want it to be versus like it's kind of how it came out and it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah. know what? But if you if it kind of that's how it came out and it works, then that was just as good, I think. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's taken you hours to get it right or if it's happened to get right on the first go. I think I think either is fine, to be honest. I don't know how that probably sounds awful, but um, that's the beauty of it. It doesn't have to you know, I don't know. It's like Not, a bit free, free and easy, I guess. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think that's, that's what's holding us back from creating and from mm. trying and from doing things, you know, is, yeah. is that perfection standard. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think you're right. If you know your goals, you know, you just want to play around and try and make something, then that's exactly what, you know, you need to let yourself be okay with. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. I definitely think people stop themselves from from trying creative things or people say, oh, I'm not creative or I've never been creative. But it's because maybe they've not been allowed to or they've not allowed themselves the, the space to just try it out. And, and if it doesn't, if it looks a bit silly at, at first, that's 
that's actually fine like you just you know have another go or actually just be happy with it not being absolutely perfect that doesn't mean you're not creative or artistic it just means you're having a go and that's just as good Oh, exactly. You know, in the first episode of this season, I talk about living a creative lifestyle and how it doesn't matter what you're doing, as long as you're trying something, you're being creative. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that means you're sewing or you're cooking or you're, you know, decorating your house, like as long as you're trying to like make something out of something else, make something beautiful, make something fun, that is creativity. Um, And, you know, we sell ourselves short on that so much of if we you know we're not a master artist or you know we're not creating a painting that doesn't mean you're not creative yeah definitely I completely agree um I'm curious you were saying that you have an idea and then you put it in your sketchbook can you tell us like kind of where you get your ideas from what inspires you yeah I was really having a think about this at the moment um the current collection and the fabrics and the colors that I've kind of worked out and chosen I think have been inspired by my surroundings so I live in Brighton like I mentioned um, which is a seaside it's like a seaside town in at, on the coast um, of, in England on the south coast and so there's loads of like fresh colours sort of the sea is right there and it's always a turquoisey greyish <laughs> um, sometimes blue and then you've got like the beautiful pebbles. It's pebbly beaches, not sandy beaches um, in this area. And the houses are sort of pastel colours and, um, you know, and it's and we've got rolling hills. And so it's lovely. Um, so I think the colours and my inspiration has been very much decided by that. Um, like one of the one of the fabrics I've chosen is I call it candy stripe, candy stripe. And it's pastel stripes. Um and um, in England, kind of the on the seaside, you'll get deck chairs, which are sort of striped. <laughs> um, not that I'm trying to make the dressing look like a deck chair, but it's <laughs> like it's very... Or you get Brighton Rock, which is a type of sweet, a candy, which is striped, you know, pastel shades striped. So I feel like it's very much um, influenced by like this part, this part of the world where I am now. The, the dresses, um, I think the styles are inspired basically in a selfish sort of way by the kind of things that I would want to wear. Like the stuff that actually it's kind of, it, Ragtray kind of started because I, there were certain things I wanted to wear, but I couldn't find in the shops. I, I have very simple taste. Um, and I found in the shops, it was lots of ruffle especially in Dubai like there's lots mm-hmm. of ruffles and flounces and you know a bit a bit too much and all I wanted was a simple dress or like a, something I could shove like you know flip-flops on and leave my house so that was kind of inspired by my imagination which obviously isn't very extensive because all I wanted was a simple dress <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I I was also thinking about the fact that, um, I don't know if it, like a while ago, there was a film that came out with Keira Knightley in. It was called The Edge of Love, I think it was called. Um, I think it was like one of those cult films, you know, that is a bit like artsy and not many people go and see it. Did you hear about oh, it? Did you know about no, it? Oh. no, I'm going to I'm gonna add a link and go look, look it up. Yeah. 
So I would say that my designs aren't particularly vintage, but um, this film is based in the 1940s during the, the Second World War in the UK, and it's it's the story of a poet called Dylan Thomas in Wales. Anyway, Keira Knightley and Sienna Miller are in it. They play these two friends, and their fashion is basically 1940s style, but because it was very, like, make-do and mend, they were wearing summer dresses in winter with cardigans and layers and, like, boots and... I don't know. So I just really like that way of, I guess, finding stuff that you can wear all year round. <laughs> um, and it kind of looks a bit, like, thrown together in an effortless sort of cool, chic sort of mismatched way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I Okay, you just said so many amazing things. First, you've sold us all on a holiday to Brighton now because it sounds beautiful. Um, <laughs> Please don't. Uh, but, yes, I love that you're finding inspiration in, in vintage fashion and in, you know, making do with what you have but but really loving it well. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, but I, I think like you, you said your designs are simple, but I think, you know, there's a difference in simple and thoughtful. Mm. And, you know, yes, your, your dresses don't have a lot of frill and, you know, they don't have like giant floral patterns on them, but they have a lot of um, attention to detail. And like you said, they're wearable for every season and you can add layers and mix and match and throw and go, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's really, really thoughtful. And I think that's a, and a really important part of, of, you know, like our wardrobes and of creativity is that what seems simple to the viewer on the outside, you know, we put a lot of thought of effort into making it look simple. Mm, that's true. That's true. Sometimes simple designs are the uh, the trickiest because, because um, unless you get it right, they can look so wrong, <laughs> you know, because they're exactly. so simple. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah, I always start everything as the idea of simple and then I way overdo it. So, that is definitely a skill to know how to how to rein it in and communicate mm. a lot with a little. Mm. Let's talk about that more, about the idea of having a smaller, more curated wardrobe um, versus a store-bought closet that's like bursting with, with a lot of stuff. Can you tell us more about your wardrobe and how you do that? Yeah, so, um, so I recently had an overhaul of my – uh, wardrobe because I was just so sick of being faced with such a mess every day and just and um you know not knowing what was going with what and whatever um I I really think it's important for us to um, be mindful of the clothes that we put on our bodies this sounds ridiculous but if I go out in something that I don't feel great in then I really feel like it affects my mood. Yeah. And or something that I'm not comfortable in, you know. So I think it's important for us to have things that we really love in our wardrobe. And um, I mean, that's that, there's that program on Netflix at the moment that everybody's been going on about, the lady that comes into people's houses. And, oh, Marie Kondo. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Um, but it's that whole idea of things that spark joy and um, and that kind of thing. 
So you mentioned, you know, being careful with what we put on our bodies and knowing where our clothes come from. So can you share more about how how we can know who made our clothes, where they came from, you know, kind of slow fashion versus fast fashion? Yeah. Can you break that down for us? It's really important that we're like conscientious about the environment because um, what we're putting into the environment, obviously we get out of it. But for me, it's always been more about knowing that the people who have made our clothes have been fairly treated. Um, so it's more like more kind of people based for me. Of course, I use all ethically produced, you know, ethical um, natural fibers and ethically made um, fabrics. But it would be great if we could all just start thinking more about, you know, knowing who's made our things and doing the research into it looking into a company and if you think that their ethics match your own then go for it but if they're not very transparent then obviously they've got something to hide in terms of how their how their clothes are being produced or like where it's coming from or um you know the processes behind how they make such a high number of of items for so little money and i think we should all we just all it takes is a bit of research into it and looking you know, looking, I can't give you any specific websites. I wish I could, but yeah, just doing a bit of research. Yeah. And I think if you go more towards the, the minimal aspect and instead of, you know, thinking, well, it's so expensive to shop some of these shops Mm. and you think, well, if I buy this one dress that's handmade by someone that I know, you know, who this person is, where these things are created, I know this dress is going to last a long time. It's, it's available I'm going to be able to wear it multiple seasons, multiple years, you know, and then it's more of an investment piece than, you know, you're just throwing in a bunch of stuff in your cart and hoping that it works out. Um, So it does, it it comes with a lot of mindfulness too of how do I use my clothing? What am I doing with it? You know, where is it coming from? And, and, and those kind of things. So that does take a lot of forethought. But I think once you start thinking those things, it becomes a little easier and just evaluating, you know, where's your money going? Where, you know, are you shopping mindlessly and constantly? Like, why are you doing that? Um, and, you know, and I think it's, it's a lot of that, that whole lifestyle that come, that comes with it of kind of evaluating some of those personal things that are happening for us and why we're shopping that way. Um, and, and just thinking of it like this is a way we can do good in the world. You know, we can support small business. We can, you know, support the – like take care of the environment, support ethical fashion, make – you know, we're giving direct people jobs by shopping, you know, in smaller smaller batches like this. Yeah, exactly. And if you uh, – I just keep on thinking about the fact that, you know, what right do I – why why do I have more of a right to, to not pay – to pay such a cheap – amount for a dress and the person who's making what do they have less right than me to be paid properly for what they're making you know like having a nice environment to work within like what what gives me the right to um over that person do you know what I mean so um I feel like it's really important to look into this but and to look into the what we buy and be mindful about it I also feel like we don't need to beat ourselves up if we're not doing everything perfect you know, like in Brighton, everyone is very um, eco-conscious. There's a lot of people are vegans here. Um, you know, there's lots of supermarkets that like non-plastic, n- no waste supermarket type things. 
Um, and it's amazing. And everybody's doing a little bit, but no one's perfect, of course, because we can't, you know, it's, some things, some things are very difficult to do everything perfectly, you know. So I think we don't need to beat ourselves up when we're not doing everything that we can even if it's just reducing the amount of plastic that you're using when you go shopping or even if you decide that you're only going to buy your clothes secondhand from a charity shop um, or clothes swaps or something that's just as that's great if everybody just does a little bit then that will be that will be a huge change I think that's it and I, I really think that doing research is um, the most important thing so for me I think um, learning actually why synthetic fabrics are not great um, the fact that they end up on the landfill and don't don't uh, break down properly for literally tens of years to hundreds of years they're just sitting there and and actually yeah they're not great for our skin that's what made me think actually we need to start wearing things that are natural natural fibers and that's really yeah how we can be conscientious with the environment and and what we how we choose to live I think those are such fantastic, simple tips. And I had no idea about that, about synthetic. Like, thank mm. you for sharing that so much. Really? Um, you didn't know? No, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just not something that, you know, clothing makers are promoting. Like when I get ads on my Instagram, it's it's not, it's you know, it's about, hey, there's a sale going on. Come down here. It's not about <laughs> like what fabrics are best for the yeah. environment or for our skin. Yeah, well, it's um, true. I mean, the, I love linen because, um, I mean, I love the aesthetic, but also it's hypoallergenic as well. So it's good if you've got eczema or um, other, any, you know, if you've got sensitive skin, then it's great to wear. Whereas synthetic fabrics, which are essentially made of plastic, are going to irritate your skin and make you feel sweaty. And <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I, I, like I said, I love those tips. And I love the question that you gave us to ask, you know, when things are really cheaply priced and, you know, we're not sure where they're coming from is, you know, asking yourself, like, what right do we have over other people to not be paid fairly and I think that's a really powerful question that you're right like we can't all be perfect all the time but bringing that to the forefront of our mind when we're shopping really does does help make a difference for that um and yeah I mean I, I love what you said like we always use uh our like reusable bags when we go shopping but every once in a while we'll run into the store not having planned it and so not having brought our bags and, you know, we get plastic bags and it's, it's just what happens. You know, I've got plenty of clothes from big box stores and then I've got plenty of clothes from, you know, ethical makers. And it, it's just a balance and it's, it's, it's about being more mindful and making small changes. I love, love yeah, that. Exactly. But I think that um, being mindful about buying um, ethically doesn't like, yeah, it doesn't have to be an expensive choice at all. Because I know it's it's hard. It's hard when, when we live on a budget, um, which basically all of us do. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult because you don't, some people, you know, you don't have the money to spend on a dress for $100, whatever. Um, but there are simple things like you can look after the clothes that you've already got and make sure that it's going to keep you, keep you going for a long time. Um, and then shopping at thrift or charity shops or clothes swaps and stuff like that I would say those are the two most important things and then after that then you can look into like buying timeless um investing in a timeless classical piece that will last you a long time yeah just finding out the thrifty tips <laughs> yeah I love it and I feel so like 
powerful when I'm like, oh, I can get this altered, you know, and then it'll last me multiple more years or, you know, I like love that feeling of like success when I figure out how to like get a good deal or make something last longer, you know, that's does good. Yeah, exactly. I think in our, you know, um, historically, we've never been, we've never consumed so much. I mean, I look at my, I look at my granny, who was sort of part of that, like, you know, Second World War era. That's like, can you tell I really enjoy like learning about that? That's like my favourite part of history. And um, they just, they owned beautiful clothes, but they were clothes that were either passed down or clothes that they spent like a decent amount of money but then they kept them and they wore them and they wore them and they wore them um and yeah I think it's just amazing what they used to do um I went to this exhibition at the London War Imperial War Museum once about it was actually called Make Do and Mend um about fashion in that time and how with the rationing and um they didn't really have anything um how they because they still wanted to buy new stuff you know people were still getting married in that in that um time period so they wanted new clothes and new dresses and you know whatever and I remember seeing one beautiful it was like uh it was basically um a nighty that somebody had made for their honeymoon um that they made it out of a silk map like war map of the world an atlas which was made of a which was made of silk, like a scarf, oh. and they made themselves a beautiful, like nighty or whatever it was, out of it, like an undergarment basically, and um, like what you made when you were sixteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, it was me. I did it for my A level. Um, <laughs> um, but I was just so impressed, you know, using what they had, and just reusing it and reusing it and being creative and being inspired and trying new things and it's very clever and that was just a way of life for people it wasn't anything special they just did it I love it when we can learn from history and um and just again hearing those inspirations and where you're finding ideas and um and figuring this out I I love that I love that that's how you're learning um so what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you Okay, so at the moment it's tricky um, because I've got two little girls. Um, So I am basically living my creative lifestyle around them. (laughs) Um, And sometimes our creative lifestyle looks like making a stamp out of a potato and doing potato printing, you know, Um, doing what I can with my children to introduce creativity into their lives as well um so I know that at the moment this season is more about them and how to be creative with them and kind of having being able to be creative in my own way kind of comes second second to them do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um but in terms of rag trade it's very much so I kind of have my out my I work I guess full-time on it but part-time around the girls so when they're at preschool and I work in the in the evenings and sometimes through the night as well um and that's when I'm thinking or actually I'm always thinking sometimes I'll just uh, have an idea and just kind of jot it down quickly um while we're sitting down for dinner or whatever um 
So I don't know. At the moment, it's very sporadic and a bit chaotic and just here, there and everywhere. But we just make it work. And I'd love to, to be able to do more things like um, non-rag trade stuff, like going out and taking a sketchbook or taking some paints out and doing some painting or um oh for ages I wanted to do like a um a class you know like a painting class Mm -hmm. or something um I've seen them advertised do you know I'd love this honestly I sound like a a deviant or something but (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to go to a class where what are they life like a life drawing class yeah I'd love to do one of those I've never done one um so it's just finding the time at the moment. It just sounds like you're living, you know, your normal life and you're you're just watching for those like sparks of creativity and finding those pockets of time and making it fit with your life and what it what you what your family needs right now and I think that's that's perfect um because we don't all have, you know, endless studio time. Like mm-hmm. we're all living normal lives and fitting our creativity in to it and just letting it be a part of it and so I think that's perfect. Definitely. We're kind of finding um so at the moment we're in the process of buying a house. And uh, we've actually just found one and it is like 70s-tastic because I don't think it had been decorated since the 70s or something. And um, so it's like jazzy wallpaper, jazzy carpet. So we're just going to rip it all out and knock a few walls down, extend it. So we're feeling like we're being creative because my my husband's very creative as well. Um, So we're really enjoying the creative process of, designing how we want the house to be (laughs) and we'll sit down with an architect whatever but um it's really exciting at the moment to think creatively about the space that we want to live in and how we want it to look like and I never he's more he's been into more of a um that sort of structural creativity ideas sort of thing and I never really thought about it, but I'm actually really enjoying the creative process of that as well. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it's definitely about finding the creative in everyday, just normal everyday things. Because I think if you're a creative, if you're a naturally creative person, and you probably can definitely identify with this as well, um, you just have to find you have to find ways to put it into your life. Otherwise, life just feels dry, doesn't it, and boring. Yeah. And I think if you didn't sew a single garment from now until when you move into the house, but you completely renovate a house, that is an amazing amount of creativity. Um, Again, it's just recognizing that and acknowledging that that is creativity, maybe in a different form than what you would like or what that you in your mind categorize as creativity. But I mean, you know, choosing tile is creative, but also figuring out where the light switch is going to go so that it makes sense when you walk into the room, you know, can you reach it? Is it going to block, you know, other things? That is a huge creative undertaking to like problem solve. Mm. Um, So yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that is going to be a lot of creative energy for you. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I mean, it's going to be for Charlie more, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping away from that stuff. But um, but yeah, just thinking about color palettes and I don't know, just nice stuff like that. And um, and hopefully having a studio space as well um, outside of the house oh. would be amazing. Do you have a studio? Lovely. Have you got a studio outside or inside? I do. Home? Inside. And that is um, the next place we move. That is my number one requirement is that we will live in a smaller place and use that money to pay for a studio outside. Mm. Um 
just because I I personally need to like get out and see humans. Yes, I know what you mean. You go crazy working from home. Yes, absolutely. So, and also it's just so, nice, I think, to to be able to leave your stuff out so that you don't have mm. to pack it all away, especially if you're painting and, well, sewing as well. You know, you don't have to put it away when you're half through something. Oh, yeah, that's a big undertaking. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite resource for creativity? It can be a book, person, podcast, place. I don't think I have one particular place. I think, to be honest... I find that inspiration flows more when I'm around creative people. So um, Brighton is also, this is another selling point of Brighton. This is why you need to come and live here. Um, It's full of artists and street art. And um, I've made lots of friends who are creative in one way or or another, whether that's writers or um, artists or other dressmakers, that kind of thing. Um, and even almost like, yeah, soaking, soaking up the, being inspired by other people. It doesn't necessarily mean like copying at all what they're doing or, you know, they don't have to be doing the exact same thing, but just that having that energy, you know, creative energy from people is quite inspiring. And people also people about people who are passionate about what they do. It doesn't even have to be creative as such so um I've got a few friends who are just absolutely passionate about what they do one of which is um my friend Danae who is she's in Dubai actually I don't know if you've been to her shop the Habitat it's a plant shop yes yes Um, and she is just actually we're like business besties (laughs) she she set up the Habitat just at the same time as I set up Rive Trade so we we still have like weekly um kind of conversations where we'll talk we talk about how things are going and um, bounce ideas off each other and um yeah and I find her incredibly inspiring because she's so passionate about what she does and she just immerses herself in what it is she's doing and yes you know we all have bad days and dry days when we aren't inspired but um when we're around creative people that's when we're encouraged to keep going you know and yeah, I don't know. There's always more things to dig deeper and kind of discover about being creative, I think. Is there anything else? Oh, there's a couple of podcasts I listen to as well, which again, aren't particularly arts and crafts, but are just still kind of inspiring. So, um, so one of which is the the podcast that Close Knit, um, can't remember the girl that does that, actually. Annie, someone someone or other it's called close knit and I think she is a um she does knitting and she's like a fiber artist but she has other artists on talking about what they do um and their stories and I find that quite inspiring yeah and then there's there's one by my friend Lucy Lucraft called what she said which isn't a creativity in um podcast but she just gets lots of women like real girl bosses on there talking about what they do um and she's super like um honest about you know life and that kind of thing which I find inspiring as well so I listen to her a lot um and yeah and then I found a few people on kind of Instagram or people with blogs that I also 
love reading about what they do. So there's one um, by a lady called Huma Qureshi. I hope I'm saying it. I hope I'm saying that um, <laughs> last name. Yeah, she's a writer and she has a blog. And just the way she writes is beautiful. And I find that really inspiring. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that we can kind of like hack our way to creativity. You know, we're going to read all the creativity books and do all the exercises. But I always think that creativity comes from life. And like you said, being in community with people who are uplifting and inspiring and awesome and passionate and going and doing things like being out in our city, in the world, experiencing life like those are, you know, I totally agree that those are the most creative, inspiring, and well-filling things for us. Um, So yeah, I love that. I couldn't agree more. What kind of things inspire you then? Are you, do you have any podcasts that you listen to that are inspiring? Yeah, you know, and I, I don't listen to a lot of art podcasts. I um, like murder. Uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot of murder type podcasts, like um, cold cases oh, or wow. um, you know things like that. What's that like? A, like stories? Yeah. It is. It's, I like mystery. I like storytelling. And that's what it comes down to. Those are the type of books that I read, the podcast I like to listen to. You know, I like, I could sit here and talk to you forever and just tell you like weird stories of murders and things just because I like storytelling and I like, you know, a moving plot line with like a mystery and surprise. So that's really, um, that gets me a lot. And, you know, and in turn that does inspire my art. I want it to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, kind of figure those things out, have a little mystery in them. Um, but yeah, so I listen to that. Um, you know, I listen to business podcast, um, but they're not necessarily inspiring. They're just more helpful. Um, yeah, I like, I like funny podcasts. I like to laugh. So yes. you know, yeah. Have you listened to um, My Dad Wrote a Porno? Yes, you told me about oh, it. We, yes, we have listened to it. Oh, my gosh. Do you love it? It's, yes. It's, like, ridiculous, isn't it? It Yeah, it is. I, like, love the the commentary style. Oh, my gosh. Why is, like, on porno it. and lust come up so much in this? I'm so sorry. Edit it all out. <laughs> this is going to be the name of the podcast. Oh, gosh. I'm not a deviant. Promise. Oh, that's. Yeah. But I mean, I just think it goes to show like we're complex people who are interested in more things than just, you know, painting or fabric. Yeah, for sure. It all comes together. Mm -hmm. Do you ever listen to Getting Curious by Jonathan Van Ness? Uh Uh-uh, no. He's one of the guys from Queer Eye. um, And actually, that's it. It's quite an inspiring podcast as well. I can't listen to it too much because it makes me feel frantic because he talks so quickly. like especially when I'm working I find that I make a like I'm like jittering (laughs) um but he he just talks about different topics and well things that are going on in the world and um yeah just I don't know it's just interesting bit of background listening yeah I'll have to give that a give that a listen I like I like interviews with people Mm -hmm. and just people who are just doing different random things um I love that as well that is inspiring because it makes you realize actually what you're taught in school about the standard things that are available to you and you know as you get older that's not true 
there's loads of different avenues you can go down and different things you can try. And just because you didn't do what you thought you were going to do when you're 18 doesn't mean that you can't try it when you're 30 or 40 or 50. And that's really cool as well. Exactly. And I think it expands our worldview and gives us so much more input and ideas for our artwork and for our lives Mm -hmm. and our relationships, you know, because I love to be able to like bring that up in conversation um, because you never know who knows more about these things Mm. or what interesting conversation it can spark to be like, hey, I listened to this podcast about this topic I know nothing about. What do you know about it? Mm. Um, You know, it just expands who we are in our world worldview so much instead of talking about the same things Mm. over and over again and you know you're always like the fun person at the party who like let's see what random thing lauren has to say today (laughs) i'm always ready (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love this i love all of these these great great insights and ideas um so lastly to wrap up what is new with you what's what's going on with rag trade that we can be looking out for okay so um on was it last friday i just launched my website um because i've i've been working through etsy since since now um so that's the new thing and i'm really excited about it because it's been sort of in the pipeline for quite a while um so that's www.ragtrade. um sorry ragtradeclothingco.com i think yeah i think that's it Um, And I'm really proud of it because we recently went out and did a photo shoot for it um, with some friends that I recently made here. And yeah, the pictures are really great and I'm really proud of them. So that's the new website. Um, And we've got the new um, spring, summer 19 fabrics um, and colours that are now available as well. And um, the collection is pretty sort of a capsule collection so it's sometimes I'll bring out new pieces like the last time I brought out there was a skirt there was a top and um another dress that was in November so we probably won't have any more new uh, pieces like different pieces we just keep the same ones because they're they're supposed to be timeless and classic but we change the fabrics um depending on this you know to kind of to be a bit more conscious of the season as well so um so there's some new linens as well um and I've also introduced one new fabric called tensile as well which is actually I thought it was a really new recent kind of fabric but I read today that it was developed in the 70s so it's not that new but it is still sustainable it's not because uh, all of the kind of fabric I've used before has been 100% organic linen, which I still use because I absolutely love it. But this new one is called Tensile. Um, and I've just written, I'll just read out my, so it's made from wood pulp, which is harvested from tree farms, um, which have been sustainably managed. Which So it therefore it's more sustainable than cotton because um, apparently the water that is, kind of it's made with water but 99% of the water and the solvents used to make it are reused and recycled so it's more sustainable than cotton and it feels oh my gosh it feels like brushed silk it's so nice um and it's a bit different than linen so um so yeah it's I felt like it was time to bring something new in so yeah now we've got tensile 
Um, apart from that, I've got a couple new stockists that I'm going to be stocking as well. They're both both based in the UK, which I guess unless your listeners are in the UK, or maybe they're coming on a holiday, they can come and see. Yeah. Um, one is in Shoreditch um, in London, and the other one is in Devon, which is in the south of England. It's beautiful. So, um, yeah, that's it, really. Oh, and I've still, I'll still be stocking the habitat, which I mentioned before. Oh, um, yes. So, yeah, that's it. I think that's all the new things. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning so much today um, about that, that tinsel fabric. Yeah, I can't wait to to try that out. Have you heard about see it what before? That feels like. No. No, I've never heard about it before, but it's really lovely. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much, Sammy, uh, for being here and for sharing just how wonderful you are and your creativity and your life and, and how you create and for giving us so many great ideas on how to shop and be more sustainable with our clothing and our lifestyle. Um, we will have links to Sammy so that you can connect with her and see all of her work and go visit these stores if you're local um, in the show notes, which are at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. You can find everything there. And if you sign up, sign up for my newsletter at lauren-likes.com slash newsletter. Um, you'll get all of this sent right to your inbox and you can sign up on Sammy's site and follow her on Instagram. She does a fantastic job of sharing her inspiration and her process and her beautiful life in Brighton on Instagram. She's a great person to follow. Um, and it's just so nice to to, you know, be able to own a piece of clothing and be like, I know this person. I follow the story of where this came from. And, you know, to really be invested and connected to a place that you're shopping from. It's just, it's just so lovely. I love being able to do that with your work and by following you on Instagram. Thanks. Same to you. Awesome. Well, Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and we hope that you have a really creative week and we will see you next week for another episode of how she creates. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes Blog and using the hashtag HowSheCreates. Until next week, I hope you get curious and go explore something.